Welcome to TradFi to DeFi, a community-driven podcast about crypto and decentralized finance. This is Tyler Sherwin, and I'm joined by John Tejan. Together, our goal is to teach, encourage, and inspire you to seize opportunities in this emerging world of DeFi. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Friday community call. Today is June 3, 2022. And uh, John, how are we doing this week? We're doing well. We're doing well. Hopefully we can uh, we can get some meaningful discussion going uh, in in the wake of uh, the tsunami that's hit us over the past 30 days, shall we say, in the market. And uh, it is what it is. And we'll move forward and uh, learn a few lessons and hopefully build in the right direction. Uh, and uh, as I was saying previously, I think maybe we're, we're building for building's sake, and I don't know if all of it was meaningful. And the thing that I, that I think we failed miserably at is getting any sort of adoption outside of the niche crypto community. I, you know, yeah, there's always new people buying Bitcoin every day, but, you know, that's going to continue on for the next 200 years, you know, I mean, that's, but I don't see a meaningful rise in usage of mass adoption of people jumping on board. And I know that more likely happens during, you know, FOMO cycles and, you know, all time highs and stuff like that. But that's not when the meaningful adoption happens. The meaningful adoption is, is regardless of the price, is this something I want to become involved with as a payment channel as a way to increase my yield above the measly bank rate and hopefully keep pace with inflation um, a little bit because I look at the person who's not doing crypto now and I'm like, why aren't you? Is it a, a lot? And a lot of people really focus on education and explaining cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin and Ethereum and mining and proof of stake and proof of work and security and wallets and seed phrases. And we've done some of that on our, our, on our, our podcast because that's necessary. But we've got to, what has to be created is the usability of the actual cryptocurrency itself has to be remote and secondary to the, to mass adoption because I don't know if I said that right. It's all important, but to the non-user, all that stuff's interesting, and but eyes glaze over really fast, and it's got to be so usable that people don't even know they're using cryptocurrency. That's really what we have to get to, you know, because we have to we have to have our internet moment for crypto, where it's like you don't have to be super sophisticated to get onto the internet. You just pull out your computer or your phone and you're instantly online. Do you need to know how the internet works? No. Do you even need to know what HTTPS is? No. Do you have to understand what a server is to go online? No. You just open up a Facebook account and before you know it, you're talking to your friends or Instagram. Like the right. crypto has definitely not had that moment yet. No, and I don't think we're I don't think we're building in that direction. I don't see it. I know people are trying to. Um, I don't think they get enough publicity. They and and that usability thing that's going to really make that big wave of adoption that's really going to push everything to you know the incredible place that we all hope it will be one day 
um, you know, because I follow a lot of different sources and I read articles that people post in forums and in on Discord and in different social media groups and and it's 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 all well and good, you know, and I, I get exposed to a lot of Bitcoin stuff, which I don't have anything against Bitcoin. But, you know, it's like, well, we have the Lightning Network, and now it's at all the uh, point of sale and uh, millions of places where people can use Bitcoin to buy things, and it's a great thing. And it's like, that's great. You built wonderful rails, but there are no trains, and there's no passengers on board, and they're not coming just because you built rails out into, you know, the wilderness. And so... Um, I, I think, and so I want to focus in what are people's thoughts about how do we get to that mass adoption moment? What projects need to move forward and get publicity and be supported that are going in that direction? You know, because all we've seen for the last two, especially with DeFi, you know, it's it's tokens, it's incentives, it's staking, it's, and that's all well and good. It's a great way to make some money. You know, we all we all try to do that. But the, the mass adoption thing is just kind of left as, well, if you don't get it too bad, but we're making money over here. And I think that's uh, that attitude is all too often what we see in crypto. And I, that's got to change if we're ever going to have that mass adoption moment. So that's just kind of what I want to introduce as a topic. So if anybody wants to has anything meaningful to say about that, uh, I'd love to hear because I want to learn about people that are pushing the envelope in that area because that's truly what's going to make uh, the next wave the actual wave. Dude, I love it. The, uh, the old, uh, what you guys are talking about is what uh, this guy, he was at, um, God, I just, I just forgot it. Uh, the firm, they were Bison Trails, purchased by Coinbase. And the thing that uh, we always talk about, and even with the banquets, the DeFi mullet, right? You know, it's, uh, I mean, that is the classic thing that, that where we see that going. Um, and it's funny you brought this up because we're just finishing up our thesis. And the thesis is how will financial incumbents plug into new digital infrastructure? So I've been speaking with a lot of different people about it. You know, and adoption is, is at everyone's forefront. You know, it's essentially UI, UX. Um, and also just creating a enable what we're doubling the enablement layer. And so most firms are going to move into crypto. Uh, most Web2 firms or classic firms, they're going to move into crypto in, in really two steps. Um, one is going to be they're going to create a silo and go through like middleware, utilizing middleware companies to um, as their as their go between. And so you have. Um, was it like, I think hashed, there, there's, a, there's a number of them, I don't know why I'm kind of forgetting them, but, but custody providers, like BitGo, Casa, stuff like that. Um, and then you're going to also have, or for like custody solutions and, and getting on the DeFi, then you're also going to have other people helping with staking. And that's like what Bison Trails did, et cetera, et cetera, where they're creating this, they're creating the infrastructure and the APIs, similar, I guess, to CrossRiver, to connect the TraFi to DeFi, right? And um, the one thing that I, I will say to add to this, that while you're probably probably noticing, um, it's not it's not moving as quickly as anyone would would like. And the one thing I keep hearing about is regulation, right? On, on two parts is no one knows exactly what to build, 
And so they're trying to really play out all the different angles. And so like that just takes longer. Um, and the second point is that there's some people who are just waiting in order to really get into it, into regu- into regulation is, is there. Because a lot of people say, why, why commit any capital to it if, you know, this may not be a thing, right? And so they, they prefer to seed the, uh, the seed, the early market to just throw a lot of money at it at the end. And what we saw, and this is similar to Netflix, right? Streaming in 2010 was, you know, 0.5 to one and a half percent of, of the big broadcasting's revenue. And so they would give it to, you know, the first, you know, fresh out of college uh, analysts. And they were like, yeah, whatever, do what you want. No one really cares. I don't have time for this. Um, but now, you know, over the past, you know, four or five years, streaming wars is it's a thing it's it's even uh it's even a uh it's a topic everyone's talking about and now you know ceos are making acquisitions and large strategic plays up it, right and so um i think that that is going to be the natural progression what's going to happen um but yeah i mean a really really great topic man I think the um, intersection between the TradFi and DeFi rails is probably where most adoption will take place. I mean, this has been my thesis for why I joined Cross River was that um, I wanted to be part of that story of bringing DeFi to the TradFi space. Um, and one of the theses, theses uh, <laughs> that's the right way to say that, one of the ideas that I've had that, that kind of drove me to that conclusion is that um, most people have access to traditional finance products, at least in the in the US and, and um, other large nations. I'm not talking about developing countries. Uh, they have access to bank accounts and other financial products. And to the extent that those products can then reach their tendrils out and tap into DeFi yield and other crypto-related products, maybe tokenized assets and other things, um, you can start to have adoption take place within the confines of, of the status quo that people are comfortable with. Obviously, I, I view that as a stepping stone to the broader, more crypto native adoption that we all hope for, where everybody knows how to custody their own crypto. But I think there's this intermediary step uh, that's, you know, we're past the early adopter stage. We're starting to get into the like middle majority, I think. And so if we can bring like, like, um, Dustin is saying here, bring those sort of TradFi tools via APIs and other uh, tech infrastructure, which is one of the theses, theses, whatever, however you say it, that Cross River takes, which is like, we want to be a crypto-friendly bank and, and bring fintech solutions to crypto and, and vice versa. Um, I think that's where you start to get that adoption. Um, and I think it's especially in the world of fintech and neobanks uh, and these consumer-facing apps you know, think like Tally, Plaid, Stripe, uh, other, you know, fintech infrastructure, excuse me, fintech consumer-facing apps that can eventually tap into DeFi infrastructure. And I think that's when we're going to have our mass adoption moment. Uh, but I definitely agree in terms of like this last bull market. I think uh, it reminds me of Vitalik's tweet back in 2017 or 2018 when he was like, you know, crypto market cap just hit a super big number. Have we really earned it though? Um, and, and I think some of us are maybe asking that same question, kind of like you said at the beginning, John, is, you know, where, where was the adoption that we all were kind of hoping for and, and thinking of? I can at least speak from my own little world of experience. Uh, 
I follow a lot of NFT projects and um, I can't tell you how unexcited I am about some of the recent projects that come out. Uh, I think, I think they're taking the approach of crypto gaming and adoption totally wrong. They're, they're taking a look at the tool set of NFTs and saying, okay, cool. If we just make a game that's based on NFTs, it will be successful and people will come and then uh, these NFTs will appreciate in value and then they'll be good. And then that'll be the incentive to, to drive adoption of this game. And then that's how we're going to bring crypto NFT gaming to the world. And it's totally ass backwards. Pardon me, French. I think it actually needs to be the other way around. Like make a compelling game, make something that's good and fun that people like to do. Like what is the consumer experience you're solving for? And then layer in the NFTs or layer in the technology. It's like, it's like going to uh, create a business and you're like, okay, I really, really need a website. And you're like, okay, cool. But what's your business? You're like, no, no, no. I really need a website. And you're like, all right, cool. But like, are you going to sell bread? Or are you going to like sell consulting services? And you're like, yeah, yeah, no, all that's fine. But let me just get a website first. Like that's the wrong way to do it. You know, like you don't start with the technology. You start with the solution you're solving for people. And then you use the tech to solve that problem for them. So like, that's why I'm kind of bearish on most new NFT projects that are coming out that are like trying to be the next game or something like you're never going to be the next Axie Infinity, like build a game that's successful and cool and doing cool stuff uh, and then find ways of wrapping in NFTs, but don't make like the NFT, the, the main centerpiece. So that's like one example I would give of, uh, you know, us missing the boat in terms of the industry and, and just the, the crypto community kind of maybe missing the boat a little bit in terms of trying to get adoption and, and wallet usage up. Dude, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Like that is, uh, you see a lot of kind of, you know, as backwards things with NFTs and, and you know, to uh, Farmer John's point, like when are we going to really see some blockbuster kind of uh, uh, use cases, right? And so the NFTs, like I, I talk about this all the time. I think NFTs are going to be the way of the future, but not in the current present form, right? Um, when you start looking at, one, uh, we start look, well, like, when is crypto going to become, you know, mass adopted? That's essentially when people can use it and can start doing things that are different. And, like, what we think is that we're going to start seeing a lot of weird things happen. And I'll go back to why I brought up NFTs in a second. But similar to cell phones, right? You know, it was like the way, if you guys can recall, I was, I was just watching Seinfeld the other day. And they would have to call their voicemail from other people's house and check their messages to see who was looking for them. And they would call people and say, or they'll say, hey, you know, um, Tyler, I'm gonna be at seven o'clock, I'm gonna be at Farmer John's house. Here's this number if you're trying to reach me. Wild, right? And so there's all these things now where I'm sure we don't even leave the, the phone and um, use the bathroom now, right? And so so it's permeated all, all walks of our life. And what we're seeing and what I see with NFTs is that one of the most useful uh one of the most useful use cases is for providence uh for art you know title deeds stuff like that where it is that you no longer have to think about um having a paper title or being destroyed or records being destroyed it's all right there on the blockchain and it's all immutable uh, and it'll last forever and which is like really useful when you also think about identity and so one of the biggest things that's that everyone is kind of waiting for um, as well is, is that zero knowledge identity play, right? Polygon just launched theirs. There's, um, I think 
was it Parallel or Parify, one of those. There's Spruce. They're a big identity play. But when you start thinking about the massive second world, uh, second order implications of that is you can put things like accreditation, U.S. status right there and prove who you are. So it ends up becoming a this experience for everyone. And so, um, you know, right now, I think we're probably five years away from that. But once you and, and this will even allow for people to uh, to to interact with institutional quality, uh, you know, liquidity pools. Right. Where they say, oh, we know who these people are. We don't quite know who they are. Reduces liability all across even Web2 companies. Things like that become huge. And so I think, you know, similar to the whole DeFi, uh, DeFi mullet. You know, I think we're going to see these killer apps and, and use cases be built out. And I think people are kind of utilizing the technology in any way they can right now. But all that stuff is going to be shook out. Um, I mean, I also think, you know, we're, it just highlights how super early we all are. I think I think your point on regulation is well taken because I think a lot of people they don't see it as being safe and until the government steps in and takes some action not action but puts some protection in there or at least pe makes people comfortable a little more comfortable I I can see that making people hesitate for sure and as well as on the institutional side which is quite obvious that, you know, they're only going to get so far involved until there's some definite regulations laid down on where the guardrails are and where they can go and where they can't go. So I think, I think that, that help that helps me kind of think about it a little more clearly, I think, as regulation is, is certainly one of the, one of the three things that are holding back mass adoption. And, uh, and I think, I guess usability is, another one i guess i'm trying to make a list of the top three th three reasons why it mass adoption hasn't happened yet or uh, what is holding people back from mass adoption um because you know i keep uh i keep seeing in another group again i mentioned it about bitcoin about being at point of sale locations through uh, uh the lightning network i guess or I believe that it, that's what it is, and and you know, and one of the one of the early early investors, billionaire, I don't even know his name is. He's like, well, you know, so, so the next mass adoption is going to be women, because women control the household budget, and as soon as they're able to pay with Bitcoin at any any retail location, it's going to take off. And I'm like, I, I don't see that as being valid, because why pay with bitcoin when you can just pay with your dollars you know i mean i mean you have apple pay and you have you know all sorts of uh instant pay methods at at point of sale locations right now what what would what 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 would bitcoin do that that the dollar can't apart from <laughs> apart from you know inflating the currency inflation but the household the 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 the, the person spending the money on household items on a retail that don't uh, they think about inflation but they're not going to go through the mental exercise and say well if i just had bitcoin it would be worth more and i wouldn't lose all my money to inflation and, and money printing i think that makes a lot of sense to people who 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 are bitcoin uh 
uh, uh, supporters and even crypto supporters. Yeah, everybody understands that use case inside and out, can quote it chapter and verse, but the person on the street can't. I, I think that there's a, there's a level of financial literacy that's lacking for people to really grasp that topic and make it like, well, hell yes, I'm going to use Bitcoin from now on, you know, um, it, because that's just not in the mentality of the average consumer that is going to make mass adoption happen. So I guess there's, you know, what is the compelling reason for a consumer to want to use a cryptocurrency versus just throwing a transaction in there with your the good old American dollar, you know. I, John, we should make a we should make a list because so you said regulation was one of the things. I agree with that. User experience and uh, customer experience was the other one that you had mentioned. I, I, think, this I, mean, I think financial literacy might be yeah. part of it. Yes, um, financial literacy in general, even like think about yeah. it because. What, what got me into crypto was that I had at least a basic financial literacy to understand that our money was being inflated away and that that was a, 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 a form of stealing of my hard-earned purchasing power. Um, but that's a conclusion that I arrived at after you know, some study and at least a little bit of nerdy interest in the topic, but most people don't really have that. So I think financial literacy in general is, is also a big blocker because some people also get the, the wrong sort of education. Like I would love to retire the payments use case for Bitcoin and then just have people just treat it as store of value. I believe that narrative is winning out. I hope, I just think it's very irresponsible to spend your Bitcoin. I had no ever, no intention ever to spend Bitcoin. I just don't understand why anyone would do it. Um, that's why I'm interested in some of the last discussions we've had around like Bitcoin collateralized stable coins. And that's like a separate topic, but financial literacy, I think is a huge blocker. Yeah, I I agree. It's it's um it's not it's not surprising. <laughs> it's not surprising that that that's that's a hurdle for people to understanding a base, basically a new currency when they really have no idea what their own currency is uh in a large part. And I and I think, you know, the the crypto echo chamber is pretty intense when it's just people inside crypto talking about the wonderful things that crypto can do. And you're just, it's just, you're preaching to the choir over and over again. And then some person from the outside, and if they would sit in on your conversation at a bar, they'd be like, what are they talking about? I, they, they sound like conspiracy theorists and crazy people, um, you know, and, and, and that's, that's partially our fault, you know, uh, because, uh, you know, we're very interested in this thing and we're kind of nerds about it. And, and that's kind of, that's great. But, uh, and and the first people that built you know computers like you know Bill Gates and Stephen Jobs and you know they were a bunch of nerds that you know couldn't relate to normal people either. But at some point they realized that the usability of their product depended on just the average person being able to use it, and and uh, that's when both of those companies obviously skyrocketed. But uh, you know that that's that's the financial literacy one is just a. a a huge thing, you know. Yeah, and Tyler, we should add to the list your point about the bad business models as well. So you're not uh, really. Yes. <laughs> I guess. Can you give us a good example? This... No, I thought what you said was good about the the gaming projects where they're focused yeah. on the technology and not on creating a good game. Um, I was actually. 
kind of on that point thinking uh, I don't know if you guys have covered this in last week or so but the other side the other deed that whole situation there and the fact that they were selling selling kind of things that people they weren't really clear about what they were selling and so people didn't really know what they're buying but somehow they were just buying into a belief that something would be created out of their deeds um yeah, we didn't cover I that. Feel but like our, that was cover, definitely yeah. a great example. And there's other NFT projects that I've come across where it's like they so they create the characters first, and then they have a whole plan for creating like a movie out of the characters. And it just feels like you said it's very backwards, right? It's not. It's, yeah, know. that's a good example. <laughs> like you create these characters, but then don't have a story or a script. Um, and then you, you just hope that things wrap themselves around it. It's kind of like a, yeah, a backwards type. Okay. So what's this list then? It's, it's regulatory challenges. That's number one. Number two is like UI UX. Okay. So we agree on that. Uh, number three is financial literacy. Number four is, is bad business models. Dustin, what else would you add? Yeah. So I was just going to share with you the list that we, that we made for our thesis. Um, I, I wanted to hear what you guys are thinking. I, I am a little selfish. We're publishing the thesis in like seven days. Um, so first, on-ramps and off-ramps, right? An example of that are like just APIs, like just really getting from A, to, from, from A to Z in crypto. That's gonna be important. Next thing is risk mitigation, right? We're gonna need, um, such as compliance, reg tech, risk management, insurance, and audit firms. And so where it is that you need, we need a healthy um, security audit system where, where people take a look at the code, they can verify it, they say, okay, this is great, which, which allows for insurance to underwrite the protocol, which allows for institutional investors and pretty much everyone to de-risk their involvement in the platform, right? Next goes UI, UX. We go from graphical interfaces, tools, and workflows to, uh, to you know, wallets and composability. We're the, what, what we see is the, the, the future is we're going to have a multi-chain sort of situation. So similar to what Farmer John was talking about when like no one cares about their you on an EVM or their own, you know, avalanche or whatever. Most people just want to walk to the store and pay for something. Right. And so you, you need that, you need that multi, we believe you need that a multi-chain sort of function um, where it is almost like a layer zero. Um, the next thing is uh, developer tools. Right. And so that's internal as well as external in the protocol where it is that you need code automation and be able to build stuff out. Because, and if you take a step back, what, what, we're really, what we're really looking at is like, how do people fund it? How do people actually interact with it from like that TradFi to DeFi connection, right? How do people reduce risk? That's, that's by that risk mitigation. How do you make it easier for people to use? That's UI, UX. And then how do people get the products, innovation they want, right? And that's the developer tools and, and the whole developer economy and ecosystem. And so those are... Those, that's the path forward that we've seen with adoption, but I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on that. It's like I kind of spit a lot out at one time, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, I have thoughts. I just don't want to be the only one talking. I know John, does, does anyone else want to jump in who hasn't yet already? I, I totally agree with you. You know, this like, we call it tooling. I think that's the name of the game here. It's like, 
nobody really actually enjoys going to Etherscan to figure out like what's in their wallet. And so that's why things like Zerion or Zapper came along. Like, hey, here's an easy way to represent your value. And, and nobody actually really enjoys the MetaMask experience. And so that's why, again, other tooling is built on top of it. But um, you need that basic safety guarantee, like you mentioned with audits and things. Um, you know, I'll show my chain link bags a little bit. They're trying to build a cross-chain interoperability protocol, CCIP, to, to really uh, bootstrap the multi-chain world, uh, which would essentially be like a blockchain agnostic interface through which financial institutions can tap into a variety of, of uh, um, you know, blockchains and access information and reduce their counterparty risks. And so that's one of the main levels of adoption. You know, all of, every ecosystem is building really cool tooling. It's just, we're all kind of sitting here wondering like, okay, cool. Now, when is the spark going to ignite? And when are we all going to live in this utopian crypto future? <laughs> Which, you know, we're, we're all idealists here, but I think we're all pretty realistic as well. And we know that, you know, it's not going to be overnight. Yeah, let me let me just give you a little, little flavor of what my day's been like trying to unstake a token on Avalanche through my Ledger wallet today. And literally... I have nothing in a hardware wallet. Well, I do have something in a hardware wallet and cold storage. But as far as putting something on Ledger anymore, I'm switching devices. That is the worst design uh, hardware. I, I haven't tried any other ones. I'm sorry. Maybe they're all that way. It took me hours to get this done. And I'm like in Discord forums. And I'm not a complete idiot, you know, even though I'm a boomer. But I'm like, you know, I'd, I'd initiate a transaction on MetaMask and it'd be just sitting there pending. And, you know, I would never get a notification on my Ledger device that I needed to approve a transaction. And it just went on and on. And I go, if the average person had to actually do this, they would literally never get into crypto again after one experience. It is between MetaMask and hardware wallets, uh, and I think, Dustin, you pointed that out, that's one of those areas, it is a painful process. And then tracking down transactions on Etherscan. And then, you know, you can even put your own transactions through if you want to, if you know how to use Etherscan. You don't even have to use the UI UX of the, of the, of the protocol, you know. I haven't gotten, I did that once or twice because I got so frustrated and had to learn how to do that. But it was just, it's, the experience is horrendous in, you know, and that, you know, whether it's wallets, on and off ramps, stuff like that, that's got to get better. Because if I'm frustrated, I can imagine a, a, a new person struggling through that. They would just be like, forget about it. But yeah, I, I definitely got my uh, user experience, uh, you know, black eye today with, with that situation and uh it's regrettable, but you know I'm looking for a new uh, new new hardware wallet. If anybody wants to to uh, pump one, Trezor is pretty good. I, I I may or may not use that one. Um, I, I will say on the fiat on and off ramps, I agree with that a lot. I think fiat on and off ramps. You mentioned it, Dustin and John. You just mentioned it as well. Uh, from a regulatory perspective, it's a challenge, as well as from a user experience uh, standpoint, it's a challenge. Um, just getting into your favorite protocol uh, is very difficult from dollars all the way through to let's say you're you're doing a, an exchange on an l2 and you know you're you're bridging assets uh but like even just starting with the fiat to crypto on and off ramp is a real challenge and so like 
at Cross River, that's what we're focused a lot on is like like the fiat on and off ramps are a challenge. And and getting that down in a seamless way, like via seamless API integration, that's what Cross River is focused on. So like if you've ever put money into Coinbase, it's a relatively easy process for for putting fiat in and out um, compared to some of the other options out there. But like it's still not perfect, right? There's so many things that you need to get right and wiring fun, funds takes a little while. But uh, to the extent that you can do like instant uh, credit of an ACH to a customer's account on an exchange, that's just reducing friction is the name of the game. If you can do that, then you can really help with adoption. 100%, man. It's, it's, it's so much friction. I mean, like you were saying, you know, regulation, as I, as I pointed out before, staying compliant. You know, it, it's people aren't going to build, you know, they don't even know they're compliant. I mean, how many of us just you know, three months ago were dealing with our, our taxes, you know, and, and, the, and the nonsense that that, that was, right? Like, things, are, things need to become easier from, from a regulation standpoint. And, uh, and I, I just think once that happens, um, once that happens and there's some clarity about even who's going to be enforcing what rules, et cetera, et cetera, I think that's going to be important. But then also when you take, kind of take a step back and think like there's not – like I was thinking about this with CBDCs the other day. There's really no infrastructure, right? Like if a CBDC – like if for these, these pet projects that people are running – you know, in the EU and China, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they're kind of doing this all on their own and they're taking that risk, right? And so you think to yourself, think about the risk of putting our entire, you know, our, our entire system, um, treasury system, et cetera, et cetera, on a blockchain, online, right? It, it's massive, especially if someone could just hack it and just take it, right? You could never clearly say, like, this is the money, this is our money, this is how much we print it. It could be disastrous. And so when I think about that, you know, I'm, I'm, I would love for it to, to happen, you know, sooner rather than later, but it also has to be done right. And, and so that does give me some, it, it does sober me up or, or some moments I'm like, this is, you know, why isn't this all like happening now? And another moment, I'm like, yeah, I guess we should really, you know, after we keep getting hacked and, one of these huge blowouts. I'm like, well, yeah, we're going to meander there. We'll take our time, you know. <laughs> I guess on the on the uh, topic of regulation, since that's one of the one of the main reasons it's prohibiting mass adoption, and I know there are a couple bills in Congress, and it's been circulating, and you know, the crypto press gets a hold of it, and it's good, it's bad, making judgments, you know. But these are just bills that aren't even committee yet, you know. So they're the chance of them seeing the light of day in the long run, I don't know if they're 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 actually going to make it. And it's, but uh, being it, it is a, 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 a what I guess a midterm election year, um, uh, is anything going to get done before the end of the year and passed and imp well implemented? It may take five years to implement whatever they're coming up with, but at least some direction before the end of the year or are they just going to kick the can down to, uh, after the election and see who survives the election and then pick up the pieces and then put something in in 2023 is any anybody have a, a guess on that it is a little more politics than normal <laughs> yeah i know we steer clear of that but um i guess just in and, and politics in general you know i 
I don't think there's going to be any substantial legislation coming out into, you know, probably this new uh, new election in 2024. Um, and then I think then we probably have to wait a couple of years for people to really write it and, and start passing it. So I, I'm thinking to myself, will be 2025, 2026, where people could potentially start to really create a, a meaty sort of crypto structure, which is depressing. Um, but I also, I, I don't particularly see a bipartisan kumbaya coming up anytime soon. So it's the government we have, not the government we would like. I agree with this. But, I think it's it, we're pretty far out from anything definitive that can be relied upon. Um, and just as a good example, um, some of you may have heard of it, this new SAB 121 guidance from the SEC. Uh, what it is, is it's a, a change in the way that crypto companies need to recognize crypto on their balance sheet. Um, and this is just one example of many where uh, the law was understood that in one way, and then the guidance comes out from the SEC that is uh, interpreted in a totally different way that totally has huge ramifications for the industry. Uh, the quick summary of that issue is that crypto assets may need to be recorded on the balance sheet as a liability to the company and as a something that is not held off the balance sheet, which has serious implications for regulated entities that want to hold crypto on behalf of their customers. And so like, this is just one of many examples where uh, there's not actually any real legislation or, or laws that actually uh, uh, can be applied to the unique challenges of crypto. And instead, what we have are a bunch of interpretations of existing law and the new guidance that comes out. And unfortunately, the regulators are doing a lot of the talking and it's not Congress and the legislators. Uh, you know, there's a very big difference between a legislator and a regulator. And we're unfortunately getting a lot of Gensler types who are, in my view, overreaching their authority and, and setting guidance and making uh, recommendations that don't necessarily have the, the industry's best interest at heart. Um, and so we're pretty far off from like comprehensive legislative um, anything that, that I'm too optimistic about. Yes, that is that is depressing. Well, I don't know if it's depressing. It's just that, uh, you know, have to readjust your expectations for what's going to happen between now and then and uh, and and then focus on that because you can't get too far out over your ex or your skis intending on getting a certain type of regulation when uh, we're still a long way from there. But uh, yeah, that's. Uh, and it's a little depressing, but uh, life goes on. But uh, well, I, I, I think we got a, a good list, and maybe uh, maybe we can expand on that. Um, maybe we can have some of our uh, writing geniuses make an article out of this recording. I don't know, or collaborate on it. That would be kind of that would be kind of nice. We're we're due for putting out an article here, but uh, that's. Uh, that's that's what I wanted to accomplish today. It looks like we got that done with a few minutes to spare. So uh, we can open up the floor uh, if anybody else has uh, a topic or a question maybe they need to have answered. Uh, that would uh, maybe the group can help them solve. That would be uh, that would be something.
Yeah, especially anyone we haven't heard from. I know uh, we've been doing a lot of talking. Is there anybody that like hasn't uh, had a chance to contribute or, or has anything that they're working on, any projects, anything they'd like to highlight? Well, I guess I can speak for Ray since he's not here this week, and he was he was on the call last week, and uh, there's only a few of us on the call last week, but he was talking about his uh, his eco credit. Uh, uh, project he's he's been uh, working on for uh, for uh, probably a good year now, and um, he is. Uh, and this is uh, this will make the recording this week. Uh, <laughs> if Craig's if still listening, he's actually part part of Eco Credit. They're gamifying uh, uh, the Eco Credit system, and I think they're starting with the Netherlands and they're dividing that up into actual real land plots that are obviously going to be signified by an NFT uh, as uh, that is your that is your piece of land so it's kind of a uh, a metaverse type of a situation uh but he is going to have uh, a community call or a special event for tradfi defi uh people and I, he's actually going to airdrop uh some actual uh, NFTs that represent uh, actual land in the Netherlands that this is uh, the eco credit system is going to be starting out from. So he can explain. That's a great that. alpha. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. And I, I, I did put that in 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 uh, in uh, Telegram today. I was kind of like, hey, it pays to you know participate in the community because you know things are happening. And then you know, of course, Oliver, uh, or Olivier goes. Well, you know, you could just post it in the channel, and I go, "You're killing my, you know, social engagement." <laughs> don't don't kill the vibe. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I know I suck at it, but I'm just trying to get some more engagement from people. But uh, you know, <laughs> you know, but yeah. but anyway, so those on this call, and and we will send it out to the I'll whole, publish this whole, yeah. whole community. This episode will go live this weekend, so we'll get this out right away, so you guys can share it as well with your friends. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so, and and Tyler and I wanted to uh, kind of uh, do that uh, for the group anyway, and start start getting uh, some value to to the community. So, hopefully that works out. You know, if he's doing another raise, I don't think so. He did not mention it when he gave the update last week, but. Um, yeah, he uh, he did not mention that. Um, there 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 might be, but I mean, there's a there's a their eco credit token is is out there and it's trading right now. So I don't know um, what other opportunities they might have, uh, and if they have needs to finance further development in another direction or continue on. You know, obviously their ideas have this eco credit land map of the whole world eventually but they're just starting in the netherlands right now which is where a lot of the uh developers and business partners are are in the netherlands and they're very focused on uh, uh the eco credit system and obviously very uh you know concerned about climate change and uh carbon footprints and stuff like that so um yeah we'll wait till he shows up and you can you can ask him dustin uh, maybe maybe he'll be on next week can't wait. Appreciate the uh, the color. 
I'm going to head to a call that I have coming up in a second, guys. Thanks so much for, for joining. You guys feel free to continue without me. Great discussion today, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, I guess the only other thing that uh, I, I saw, heard you guys talking about NFTs earlier. Mm-hmm. And so I posted a, um, I posted a link to uh, this Web3 play uh, called Droplink. And so it's its own stacks, which I heard you guys talking about too. They just won the Innovation Award for stacks. Um, they're currently doing their stacks demo day, I think in like nine days, that demo day is coming up uh, next week. Um, they'll be presenting there, but they're, they're talking about doing um, social commerce. And so, you know, in the whole, whole vein of it is you think to yourself like, you know, I was like thinking about the same thing with music, but before artists needed distributions, they went to a label. And so same thing with, with uh, if you own a shop, uh, you would go to affiliate networks so you can spray and pray and get your distribution. But now, similar to the music industry, people are going directly to their fans. And so like, so that's the whole idea with now with social commerce and what Droplink just did. Um, Droplink Flatlay, they just, um, sorry, uh, they, they, just, they, just cre- they just created their, their Web3 affiliate network, which means that you can, do, you can on a, in a centralized manner, you can list your own products um, and, you can, and you can hold and open your own store, uh, essentially. And, um, and it, it's fascinating when you, you look at where Web3 is going and this whole gated experience. And so this whole thing is on the Bitcoin uh, network, more on Stacks again. And, uh, and so they're, they're trying to go up against Shopify. And so as you guys are talking about creating NFTs, and um, I guess we, have, we, have, we, have, we definitely have an NFT artist in the group, you know, that could be a way for them to get out some merch and for them to monetize their their community as they grow it and so i just thought i'd explain why that why i posted that there where did you post that at dustin voice channel oh okay all right let me check yeah thanks for posting that i'm I'm gonna have to check it out it's definitely been interesting exploring uh nfts on the stacks um network on Bitcoin blockchain, it was actually a, a fun place to start because the gas fees were so low. Um, but yeah, it's a, definitely a smaller um, community there, but it seems to be growing. Yeah, it seems like they keep coming out with a lot of really cool things. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I'm pretty bullish on, on stacks the more I hear about it. And, and the uh, the really cool things they're doing with even trading NFTs. I can't remember the product's name, but you know where it is that let's say we all are looking for we all are NFT uh, holders, and let's say all, six of us are, are we're all missing one NFT that we want to round our collection with. We can trade it amongst people um, without hitting the open market, and that way almost got, almost got a dark. Uh, was a, a dark market, so to speak. Um, and in that way, it is that, you know, we're all not paying any money doing the trade, but we all end up trading up in something that we value more. Um, they're, they're doing a lot of interesting things like that. That's really interesting. So it's, is it kind of facilitating peer-to-peer or is it a different way of trading exactly. NFTs altogether? It's, it's facilitating peer-to-peer. 
but then also okay, cool. uh, being able to check everyone's uh being able to the um anonymously message and you know and, and check their holdings and do those smart contracting where we'll set up you know a smart contract for everyone and um and and automatically will trade once all the assets are are pledged um and everyone's agreed on it so it's it's pretty it's interesting that they you know we're you know as you were saying i mean that's going to be interesting um and useful for actual assets right and and you know one of the bigger things that i think we're going to see and i do have to hop off um a meeting two minutes ago um is you know as we start moving assets around i think that's going to be one of the biggest use cases for blockchain is the transfer and pricing of risk assets and so uh and again you know it's not ready yet but i mean it, it's coming and you know as we keep our eye and your eye on, on on the on the prize and continue to uh be in this uh ecosystem i think we're gonna i think we're gonna do pretty well at that That's thanks guys uh, thanks for having me, uh, John, and, and the rest of you guys. Um, I, I got to hop, and All I'll right, talk to Justin. you guys. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you later. All right, guys. Well, I probably have to roll, too, so I'll go ahead and shut the recording down. I hope you all have a good weekend, and take care, and hopefully see you all next week. Right, thanks. Thank take you, care. John. Have a good weekend.